0: Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Matthew Barnett, who is an author and pastor of the LA Dream Center, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Guys Like Us podcast episode with Matthew Barnett. Hope you're having a great day, great week, and you're going to be having an even better time after listening to this podcast. In today's conversation, I speak with Matthew Barnett. If you don't know who he is, he is an author and pastor and has been uh, really doing a lot of work recently, especially with coronavirus, um, at the LA Dream Center where he is uh, the pastor. In this conversation, we talk about his new book, One Small Step, The Life-Changing Adventure of Following God's Nudges. Um, we break a little bit more into his backstory of when he started the LA Dream Center um, years ago and what's, what's really changed um, across these years. A few years ago, he went through a crisis um, with his ministry. Um, about four years ago, was having trouble uh, meeting payroll and was just trying to figure out what to do next. Um, And he was prompted and nudged um, by God to to do something pretty crazy and incredible. Um, And we will discuss what that entailed and how he came out on the other side. I'm really excited for this conversation, Um, just the journey uh, that that Matthew brings us through, uh, but then also just so much hope and joy that um, that he brings uh, into this conversation as well. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Matthew Barnett. Matthew, thanks so much for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast today.
1: Uh, it's such a joy to be with you. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. I'm super excited um, for just kind of what we're going to discuss, I'll get into your book in a little bit, and just... Um, all that you've been doing and your journey, but I, I, first, I just want to ask you how uh, how how things are going in Los Angeles not, right now. I know that you're uh, you know in the middle of serving some some vulnerable uh, vulnerable communities in the in the LA area with this virus. Kind of what have been some of the biggest changes for you personally and and uh, in your ministry over these past few weeks now.
1: Well, you know, we've been here for 25 years at the Dream Center. For those that are listening, if they can just imagine a hospital that sits on the Hollywood freeway, it's open 24 hours a day where anybody who's homeless can come in, have a place to stay, veterans, families. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing this kind of work for 25 years. But when the, when the virus broke out and we begin to hear about everything closing down, I told my guys next to me, I go, we're going to have to shut service down tonight because we have thousands of people on the midweek that come. And there's just a lot of fear in the air so let's just you know cooperate with the city and you know be good neighbors and use cooperation as the first step as a form of evangelism Mm. but then second of all let's really plan to meet the biggest need in the city and i listened to the la school district second largest school district in america the most impoverished school district in america and I began to hear that the children wouldn't eat uh, their two meals a day that they get at school. Now, because of the school closures, we were one of the first ones to go to lockdown. Yeah. And when I heard about that, I said, Lord, we got we to gotta calm people's fears and we got to meet their need. And I just stepped out in faith and told our team, Monday, we're we'll opening up a drive-thru. It's going to be open seven days, 11 hours uh, a day. And everyone's like, let's do it. And we only had enough food for two days in reserve to do this. And, uh, and now weeks later, uh, we're still doing it. We're feeding people 11 hours a day, seven days a week, and up to 11,000 hot meals being served through the drive-through. Gosh. And I, wanted to, I this is the craziest era I've ever been in, in my entire life. I've never seen anything quite like it.
0: Wow, wow, that's incredible. And we were talking before the podcast of just the amount of meals that you're doing daily now. How does that compare to maybe what you were doing even just a month ago? in terms of the amount of meals that you were serving, yeah.
1: Yeah, we jumped up from 1,500 to (laughs) 11,000 overnight. And uh, it took, well, we went from 5,000 to 7,000 to 11. Yeah. Um, But it's just, it's one of those things where when you step out in faith, and I think a lot of guys kind of respond to that warrior's call to do something great. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of guys enjoy Bible studies, things like that, but I think a lot of men who've been really stepping up to the task, fire department guys have been working 24-hour shifts and then they come out and serve with us. Hmm. I think they respond to that kind of warrior's call of of being in the moment, and stepping up. We've never, you know, we got a lot of um, female volunteers that come and serve, you know, throughout the year. But when it comes to a big challenge, a lot of these guys are stepping up like I've never seen before to the front lines and and serving. And it's just been extraordinary how amazing they've carved out time to come and be a part of serving and making a difference.
0: Yeah. Totally, and I, I think that's 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 right on the mark. And this, uh, you highlighted something about service that I definitely would would love to um, would love to get to. And um, just to provide a little bit more context of the Dream Center, I think you know you you mentioned a little bit. Would you mind expanding a little bit more about your mission and you know some of the people? Obviously, the people that you serve now is a little bit maybe different than it was, but kind of traditionally, traditionally, who who are, who do you serve and kind of. I guess how you know how, what are some of the means of of which you serve people in, in uh, the city of Los Angeles.
1: Wow, it's quite incredible. Um, you know, last month we had forty men that were sentenced to the Dream Center for one year recovery instead of a ten year prison sentence. So wow. we get we get prisoner reform, uh, people sentenced here, and then we have families just show up every day in their cars um, that we take in for a year. Every program at the Dream Center is one year, and the reason why is because we feel that people need the luxury of time by which to change. You know, 30-day programs aren't enough. Um, people need to take a deep breath to get out of that survival mindset and get into a place where they can clearly understand mm. that they have time to let God's Word begin to live and breathe in them, and they can grow and they can develop, and they have time to change. And so I think that's the big um, secret to all of our programs, whether it be our homeless veterans or our drug and alcohol rehab program, which has 275 uh, men and women in the program who live here free of charge. Yeah. Uh, everything built upon God's people being there for people and working through the layers of trouble, of dysfunction, and, and being there for them. And so that, I think that's been the difference maker why we see such a high graduation rate mm. is we, we see a lot of really foundational change By the ability to pour into people for long periods of time.
0: Yeah, and I I, and that's that's one thing that I think is really fascinating is is that change comes. You know, there's this there there's that initial step and that 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 kind of that first that first move to 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 to, you know initiate that change. And then there's this process of growing and uh, of really being transformed, which takes a little bit more time. And I just love how you you dedicate that that time to. To that development, which I feel like is not typically appreciated, or maybe is not, not normally done outside of you know places like the Dream Center. Is that is that is that pretty accurate, or, or yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think the things that we deal with the most is you know, we have a lot of men in our program, a lot of uh, broken guys who come in. Yeah. And one of the things that disarms them more than anything is shame. One of the biggest yeah. things that forces these men into a cycle of drug addiction and bad decisions and crime and all of that is they feel that like there's no way to ever come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, society has shamed them. They've been told that they've been labeled. And, and so once you start realizing that shame must be obliterated in order for these guys to begin to function, because um, society you know, piles on men in a lot of different ways yeah. and feels like there's no road back. And so the average guy mindset, when they fall in that hard or they're on meth for five or ten years yeah. or an addiction, is I've already fallen so far, Why even try to get back up again if i'm going to be labeled for life so we just try to put a new identity in the guys to know that life isn't over when you come to the dream center that god doesn't destroy people in rock bottom he rebuilds men in rock bottom and that's i think what's been a great difference maker is that we just deal with that issue of shame that stops so many guys from saying i have a motivation and a reason to want to change and so that that, that's been a great aspect of the program the freedom that comes through the guys
0: Absolutely, I, that that's that's incredible, um, and and the kind of power of that community, and that just that this 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 place where people can come and and, and know that they are that they are loved, and that they are um, that their that, that their life is worth living, and that, and that there is really a, a deep dignity about who they are um, in God's eyes. Can you can you um, so now I I'm really I'm, I would love to t- chat more about your book. Um, one small step the life-changing adventure of following god's nudges um first off congratulations on the book and and then second kind of how has it been since it's since uh you start writing it and now that you're into um and now that it's officially out out to the world
1: well it's kind of unusual because the book is releasing on april 7th and the whole book it, I'm, I'm kind of chuckling when i'm talking about it because in some ways it's the worst time to be released and sometimes it's the best time to be released because yeah. We're really living out the model of the book, and that is to respond to the Holy Spirit nudges and the little things that God impresses upon your spirit to do. And they seem uh, small in the beginning, and they turn into something extraordinary. And, you know, that's been kind of the call that we've had during this time. It's, you know, let's go. Let's just start feeding people on Monday and see what happens. And now to see, you know, about 80,000 people a week, they're being fed. And the whole book, One Salmon Step, is not just about doing big things and having... You know um, all these big events going on, but it's really about just living a life with your head on a swivel, looking for opportunities to be a blessing, looking for Mm -hmm. ways to be an encouragement, and saying yes to more things in life. Those Holy Spirit nudges that come Mm -hmm. into our life that are really uncharacteristic from the natural flow of how we live our life, because by nature, we all seem to live in this self-preservation or this me mindset, but there's times of the day where God puts these glimpses of Stepping out of ourselves and doing things for people and and really the purpose of the book is to not negotiate With those impressions of the Holy Spirit that you get that typically doesn't come from us because we're people of the flesh That we don't normally think that way but God is inspiring us all the time to step out in faith and um, Respond to these little things in our life that you know even things for example that we say I love that person but something in our heart won't share it or we won't say it it holds us back and and just letting our heart begin to run free with all these little impressions that the Holy Spirit is making upon our life every day, and so yeah. uh, this book is about that. And of course, it's taken on a whole new meaning now. It really feels like that book is is true to the times and era in which we live in. And so yeah. I, I just lo- I, I've said yes to more things when it comes to helping people than I've said no. And mm-hmm. uh, there's times, and I've always seemed to understand that there's a great benefit in living that way rather than living the opposite where you convince yourself all the reasons why you can't do something instead of being unleashed and meeting the need that's before you
0: yeah wow wow is there so i had the book out in front of me now and i think it it is such a great time to uh as you mentioned it's it's ever more present now of how um direct or how quick these maybe these nudges can can actually you know take form and take shape into uh, our lives and the lives of others around us has there been has there been some you know some moments or s- just some of these small nudges that you have that you've responded to uh, or maybe you've seen other people respond to that have uh, that have kind of led into something that's maybe a bit more unimaginable
1: Yes, I've seen that. You know, I've seen a lot of the police officers. One day I, I told a police officer in our neighborhood, I said, look, if there's any person that you believe in that you don't want to throw into jail, just bring him here. We'll give him a second chance. Yeah. And this officer said, that's an interesting decision. Okay, he goes, if I ever, you know, maybe I'll do that one day. I, I didn't really feel that he was going to do it. But uh, one day he um, a car pulled up right behind me at the Dream Center. there's was a police car zipping around the corner. like He came up on me really strong. I'm like... Did I speed or run a stoplight? What did I do? And he pulled up, and there's a guy in the back, and he had chains on him, and um, he was just like in police chains. And the police brought him out, and he came up to me, and he said, Pastor, I'm taking you up on your offer, and I I want to give this guy a second chance. I don't want to throw him in jail. Will you guys take him? And I said, yes. (laughs) And an officer began to see him coming through our program to see the change that was going on in his life and he said ever since I said yes that one day to bring these guys I've seen more change in my neighborhood and community by bringing the guys here instead of prison mm-hmm. and now whenever he feels a nudge that a guy might need a second chance or an opportunity to change he just zips on by here and he checks him into the Dream Center himself wow. and so wow. it, it's amazing how he trusted something a little bit out of the ordinary from what police officers would do and he's seen an unbelievable reward in doing that um, we've also seen stories of people going under the bridges and finding people have been living homeless for 18 to 20 years and and just deciding that they were going to show up in their life and just keep loving on them every day. And then finally those people end up coming to the Dream Center Rehab Program. And and just the power of inconvenience, the ministry of showing up, the mindset of a servant um, is just being yeah. unleashed in this book. As a matter of fact, the book opens up with me talking about a situation where I actually was trying to walk to the other side of somebody who needed help. And it's kind of a vulnerable story about a girl who Mm. needed help, and I just was too busy, and finally I did stop out of obligation. But I like to take people through that journey of of the flesh and compassion, and we don't always get it right, but we get back up again. We try to to serve and and love people and make a difference. And so it's not a book about, boy, we've got it right for 25 years. It's kind of a book about stumbling upon this terrific battle that goes on between – the desire to live trapped inward and yet the joy of living outward and all the temptations and battles that stop you from wanting to live the abundant life and that in the place that we are truly the happiest. And that's when we're living for others.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. And it's, it's funny Uh, right before kind of coming and doing this podcast uh, and just conversation, I was thinking that we we were discussing in Bible study on John four, looking at the Samaritan woman. Um, And it was just, it was, I feel like it's really timely because when you, when you look at this story, this this, this Samaritan woman um, is met and is you know in this in a completely different social uh, has a different social status is not treated as woman well by uh, people of of the time and 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 then Jesus meets her and. Within, you know, by the end of that chapter, she becomes the, the, the earliest evangelist and apostle to the Samaritans. So it's like it's seeing how quickly, um, you know, and then when we think about how quickly God can turn some turn someone's life around and and then have them, uh, you know, be, be ministers or, and just start to sh- share and spread um, the gospel to people. Around them, and I just think I think I feel like this is such a timely example, and um, how you know these small these things these things that might not be uh, or might not seem like they're the biggest things can actually have just a, a huge ripple effect.
1: Yeah, and how many times you know God can just use anybody at any level. Um, I was down in the kitchen this morning, and the guys in the rehab program—you know—they're the one. They got all of them got their food handlers license. They got a little job skill working in our kitchen. Yeah. And walking down there they were singing praises to the Lord and one of the guys, man, he just got sentenced here and he said, Pastor, I was born for this. He said, I can't be, I can't believe I'm in the kitchen being able to be used. He said, I've always dreamed that God would use me to be a part of a revival. Now here I am, I'm in rehab and I'm making meals for all the children and yeah. I just love to see how when people think their life is over and they just submit it to God, it's it's really just yeah. it's just begun. And the whole Bible is full of just dysfunctional people that God used. And, yeah. and you know, the world is is not a very compassionate place out there. They want the best of you, and if you're down, they'll mock you or kick you when you're down. Yeah. But I just love yeah. how God just loves the places that nobody else wants. He loves the broken places. He loves people that are even listening to the show right now. Some of the guys are like, man, I feel like I just got crumbs left to give God. But when that's submitted to God with a with a right heart and pure intentions, and that's all yeah. you have left, I believe God just celebrates up in heaven because mm-hmm. He could do more with someone who's got a little bit left, who is broken, than someone who thinks they got it all together, but really is trying to do things on their own.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. It's the faith of a mustard seed, and I think that's um, it's just this very, this little small amount that can that can that can uh, can really shake things, um, for the better. Can you talk, so I, one chapter in here that really stuck out with me in particular, and um, maybe with people right now as they're, they might feel like they're trapped inside, uh, you know, from so, for social distancing and for just kind of the what what can seem like maybe a restriction that they're, uh, that they're facing. You, you title this chapter, when you feel you cannot move, can you talk a little bit more about. About this chapter and kind of what you uh, what you hope readers to to gain from this?
1: Well, I think while people are like really doing their duty and we're in a very exceptional place, you know where the government has asked us to be a food bank for hurting people. Yeah. So this is a, most people are doing the responsible duty right. by just staying at home and and being safe. and that's awesome. And one of the things that you could do during this time is really just be an example of of, of endurance and perseverance and joy. Uh, a lot of people are just looking for that right now. They're looking for people that, you know, maintain their hope and maintain their expectation. And with the family around you and people that live with you, your, your family one day or your relatives or friends are going to look back and remember a time when they saw the best at you, of you when society was at their worst. When mm-hmm. you were still praising the Lord, when it felt like a sacrifice of praise, when you still had a positive confession, when the chips were down. And so... There's a lot that you can do by just standing strong and trying to tune out the voice of the world. I'm going to be honest with you, very vulnerable about this, but the other night I was, I was, we you know, we came back from a great day of just feeding people and serving people, and I went yeah. home and I turned on the news for like three hours. I just started binge watching television, and I hadn't really been in that mindset because I've been so busy. But I was watching all the destruction, and I felt. It's important to know what you need to know, right, in order to be safe and a good citizen. But after that, I went to bed at night and my heart was racing. And sometimes when, you know, there's a stigma attached to panic attacks or things like that, I don't know what it was, but it felt like it was almost like a mini panic attack that I endured. My heart was racing through my chest. And I just got out of the bed. I pick up the Word of God, just changed my focus, my emphasis, and it really started to help me get centered again. And mm-hmm. and begin to read the Word. And I thought, man, how easy is it to just break down by binge watching um, so much destruction? And again, we got to know, we got to know. But after that, yeah. why not spend our time just texting people and say, "I love you. You're going to make it." Yeah. Think about how great life is going to be on the other side of what we're going through. And like David, he, you know, threw some rocks at a giant when he was taunting the uh, generation. Throw some rocks of hope, you know, at the giant that you're yeah. facing and yeah. and just get out there and, and you your phone can be a powerful weapon. I mean, there's times I, I feel like giving up this thing, all of a sudden I get a text from my pastor like, I love you guys, keep going. I'm like, okay, well, I'm good for two hours now. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I got that much motivation. So yeah. I would just encourage people to realize that your strength and your stability and your And your confession during this time is going to influence a lot of people. And even your children will one day look back and say, wow, I remember a day that my dad was unshakable during tough times and his faith really was attractive to me to want to serve God.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're you're right. I find myself in a similar situation of you know, turning on the news and the problem with a lot of the news is you kind of get sucked in and it can kind of, uh, absorb a lot of, uh, absorb a lot of your focus, a lot of your, this, this mental energy that you don't need to, to give it that authority over. Um, and again, yeah, I, I I would just want to stamp down on, you know, be aware and know kind of what's going on, but set that, set that limit of, you know, I'm going to tune in for 30 minutes and then I'm, uh, I, I'm going to end my time with, with prayer or, you know, uh getting in the word or what you we know whatever that looks like to just to refocus and and make sure that I, I end the day with joy and with hope and i think um that is it's so seriously lacking and i feel in this time of fear and and this and as you mentioned it can there's a you know it can definitely cause or can spark panic um and so being being proactive and knowing bit more about how you operate under these situations um, and also just kind of seeking out seeking out that uh that wisdom of of what what's the smart thing to do um
1: yeah and the virus is going to take a lot of lives but we don't need um it to take other lives yeah you know people who um, could could you know go through other experiences that can they can take them out so we just need to make sure that we need people strong and healthy and mentally yeah. healthy as we get to this next side because there's going to be a lot of people to pick up. There's going to be a lot of wounds. There's going to be a lot of uh, you know kids like my own daughter. She's like one of the best runners in the nation, but her whole season was destroyed in yeah. track. And to me, it's like, well, that's not really a big deal. these high school kids, man, they're they're missing out on life and maybe a half a year. So I mean, we just gotta find a way to just get above ourselves and what our wants and needs are and. And serve out of our own burden, serve mm-hmm. out of our pain, serve out of our struggle, and uh, we'll heal ourselves in the process of doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. One one theme that I've heard from you is um, is this endurance. Uh, and you mentioned that in in this time, we will be known by our endurance, um, and our in our fortitude in praising God and. And just you know, being in it for the long haul. Can you talk about, um, and I guess taking it more practically now, with you know, I, I know your, your daughter's a runner and uh, you're a runner as well. Can you talk about this uh, this seven seven marathon, seven continents, and seven days experience, uh, and just kind of what what that was like for you, and and, and how you kind of came out on the other side of that?
1: Yeah, well, it was four years ago when the ministry was really struggling, uh, maybe three, three and a half years ago, and. We were yeah. going through a really hard time financially. We grew 200 beds at the Dream Center. Be- really, to be honest, we kind of grew too fast. <laughs> and I don't know if we were ready for it yet. And it was the first time in 25 years that we were facing a situation where we couldn't make the payroll. And I was so gutted on the inside. And And I remember telling my wife, I'm like, you know, as the head of an organization, we're not like some of the corporate world. The times get tough. You know, they take their check and they walk out the door. We're in it and we're going to endure yeah. Let's just empty everything we have to keep the ministry going for one more month. And so that was the first step, and that really kind of got the ministry back on its feet for a month, uh, just emptying our bank accounts, but then we knew it needed something more. And one day I was running um, around the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and I get a text message from a guy in my church, and he, it said 777, and there's a little link to these runners that were running seven marathons on seven continents in seven consecutive days. And I'm not like a serious runner. I've only run two marathons in my entire life. But I read about these people who are doing this. Mm-hmm. I made every single day in every continent of the world a marathon, seven consecutive days, seven continents. <laughs> and and so I said, Well, that's wonderful. These are great people. I responded back to him, and then he responded to me. this businessman said, Pastor, I believe this is a fundraiser of God, and I. Texted back jokingly and said that get thou behind me Satan this is not of God right here right <laughs> yeah. so I responded back to him and yeah. said okay but if you do this if yeah. you do the marathon challenge in nine months I will give the Dream Center right now 20 a hundred thousand dollar donation and so I said well God I can't be irresponsible and turn that down when we need it so I said yes and I started training wow. running 80 to 100 miles every week to try to get prepared for this and when, it's, when it started, we ran in Antarctica, I'll never forget, running in negative 30-degree temperature, 50-mile-an-hour headwinds wow. on the first continent of Antarctica. Um, we, had our, our, we had frostbite on our feet, and the wind was so cold, I can't even possibly describe what it was like, staying a whole day on Antarctica and then running the first marathon. And then the plane's flying over us. I said, what's the plane there for? They said, it's going to pick you up because in an hour after you finish, we're going to South America to run a second one. So 18 hours later, we went through this, and and then we went to Madrid and uh, Miami, and then Madrid, and then halfway through marathon four, I tore my patella tendon, a partial tear in my in my left knee, and I thought it was over. And <laughs> in fact, I was planning my trip home. I was buying my ticket and everything, and everyone was saying, "Hey, good job, you did the best you could." They're patting me on the back, and the Lord spoke to me and said, "Just give me one more marathon." And I thought God was going to heal me. I really did. I thought, okay, well, maybe God's going to heal me. I'm going to yeah. run the rest of them. It's going to yeah. be perfect. Yeah. Um, and I ran that next marathon with more pain than the one before.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. I was learning of God's grace and His sufficient. And He literally, I left. I locked my left leg. And like Frankenstein, I limped through marathons five, six, and seven with a torn patello tendon um, advancing. You have to get under eight hours to get in order to advance to the next round, basically, to finish. And... I got to the end of the seven marathons and seven days and seven continents. And the only thing that got me through was thinking about all the people back home. They said, Pastor, I promise if you finish these marathons, I'm finishing my rehab. All the moms saying, if you finish these marathons, I'm going to finish my GED program. And the people really kept me going and inspired. And it was, it turned into be a fundraiser that turned the corner. I never dreamed it would be, but God used that for a season. So there's two sacrifices. Number one... The sacrifice that came out of my own pocket, the first wave, and the second one was really giving up <laughs> your body. But, you yeah. know, 25 years, that's all we've ever known. I've been here since I was 20, pastoring. I yeah. started with a little desk on the sidewalk, that I moved outside the church, my little phone to my desk, and just meeting the mamas in the neighborhood as they walked by. And, yeah. and all we've ever known is given everything we have for this community, and God just spoke to me that he wants me to live my whole life to serve the people of downtown L.A., Lived homeless on the streets of Skid Row in order to understand the plight of what homeless people go through, and so, you know, I used to live my life with a have-to-serve mentality. Now we've decided to live our life with a get-to-serve mentality. We get to sacrifice. Uh We get to help people. We get to be inconvenienced, and so that's kind of been the the, the journey that we've been on, and the marathon was just one big picture of the endurance that this project has really taken out of us the whole time
0: that that that's an incredible story and i it's you know i, I i've re- i read some of these books about people who have run and, and just done, done these um, uh, you know incredible physical feats but it's so much so much deeper than the this physical physical strength but it's uh it, it 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 really does hit home on just this mental and spiritual level and i mean you put you put everything into it and um it's just it's really cool to see how how crazy uh, or i i guess rather how how amazing it can be to um, to keep going, even even when things feel like there's uh, there's not much left and there's not much hope. So, um, I, I'm very encouraged by this uh, by uh, just hearing your story and and, uh, and reading your book. And um, would just love to wrap up with just a word of encouragement or advice for listeners. Or just anything that you think that maybe we talked about and you'd like to double down on or, or just a final piece to, to leave our listeners for today
1: uh, yeah I, I know that during this difficult time that we're going through man um, it's just so hard to hang on and, and it's very difficult to go forward but if you have a little bit of time I think all of us have a little bit of extra time right now but um, just find a piece of paper and do a little history lesson of all the times that you thought it was over and how many times God brought you through and just look over your life as far as you can think about where you were at certain times in your life. You'll be surprised how much you can remember if you really take time to, to think about where you were, and how your back was against the wall, and just get a little catalog and a little history lesson of what God has done for you in those times. And look over that and just have a little time of rejoicing and praising that the nature of God is He's done it mm. for you in the past, and He's going to do it for you again.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Matthew, for your time today. And and where where can we find you, find a copy of the book um, and and all that information?
1: Yeah, the book is called uh, One Small Step, and it's available at every outlet from uh, Christian booksellers, Amazon, all of it. Also, they can go to dreamcenter.org if they want to find out more about the relief efforts that we're doing here and be a part of this ongoing thing that will probably go till June, it looks
0: like. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matthew. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and, a, and an honor having you on today. I um, a, a wish and I'll be praying for uh, just this, the continued relief and development um, of the, the community of Los Angeles.
1: It's such an yeah. honor to hear from you. Thank you so much.